Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Our senior pastor, Larry Burbacher, is out with about 70 folks, I guess, uh, or so on a trip to the Holy Lands. And they're over there taking a tour of all that space. So we are missing them this morning, but this gives us an opportunity to share with you some of our other campus pastors. So they're floating around different places today. We're playing shuffleboard. So this morning, our campus pastor from the North Campus, Keith Brumbelow, is going to share the Word of God with you. Give him a welcome. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. Good morning, Faith. How are you guys doing today? Now, Pastor and the team are about seven hours ahead of us, so technically, if they're somewhere with Wi-Fi, they could be with us. So let's welcome them, just in case they're watching this morning, all the way from Israel. Amen. Some kind of late afternoon over there with he and his team, and uh, knowing Pastor, he's probably checking up on me to make sure I'm staying in line. So you guys tell him good reports when you talk to him. Amen? Absolutely. Some worshipers in this house. Anybody here love Jesus? I thought so. Amen. Some of y'all just pressing in. I mean, I love to worship and sing, but as a pastor, I like to listen and I like to hear the cry of the people. And just so exciting and just encouraging to hear how you worship here, man. Don't you have a great worship team? You love Pastor Kenya and the team? Amen. Already having church in here. You guys remind me of uh, this season in our life where we we got three kids, 11, 8, and 5, kind of stair steps. We got our middle child. Any middle children in here? Some of y'all, you know, middle, middle, you don't, you're not the first, and you're not the baby, and maybe you don't get the attention that, that the others get, or maybe you don't demand as much attention as the others get. We, our, our firstborn, I mean, I'm not going to call him high maintenance, but he likes to be the center of attention, and so does the baby. And there was a season where our oldest went to kindergarten, and our baby was brand new, and so our middle child, almost three years old, kind of got the attention when the others weren't there. And it was just really neat to see her because if she's in a crowd, she'll shrink away. Like, like she'll talk to me, but she came, to, just to give you a dose of her, she came to me. I was working out in the yard yesterday, alone, from, away from everybody, and she comes up for those moments for conversations with Daddy. And she said, Daddy, what does it take to make an octopus laugh? I said, I don't know. She said, 10 tickles. <laughs> you get, you guys, some of you get in a little bit, and that's okay. You can, you can laugh whenever. But, but I can remember a time when she was little, and and I would come home, and there was this door from our kitchen to our garage, and it had a, a window, and she could on her tiptoes get right there, and that much of her head would appear over the window. And anytime I would pull in the garage during the day, as long as the others weren't there or screaming, and she could get a little attention, she would press her face against the glass and wait for Daddy to pull in. Now, I'll be honest, as a dad, that made me feel great. It made me want to lavish and pour out goodness and love and cuddles. And she probably thought I brought her something too, but that's okay. Because when I come into the house of the Lord, I come to get strength and encouragement and blessing and joy. And some of you guys this morning, you were pressing your face against the glass saying, Daddy, I am here and I'm ready for your time. And your, Amen. Can we give God praise? <laughs> Hallelujah. And we're talking about the idea of mutual benefit this morning. I hope you guys are enjoying this economy stewardship series as we talk about what we need to do with what we have. 
And so as we do it north, if you guys can stand with us, we're going to read our, our opening verse this morning, and, uh, and then we'll pray over the word. But I'm reading from Matthew 6.33, very familiar portion of scripture. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Bow your heads with me for just a moment. Lord, I thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl that's in the sanctuary today. We're here for you. We press in. We want to hear from you. Not what I have to say, Lord. Just let me be a vessel for funneling your power, your presence, your truth, your freedom into the eyes and ears this morning, Lord. We pray for our team halfway around the world, seven hours ahead, Lord, that they would continue to be protected as they are getting to walk in the places where you walk, Lord. And they're possibly pressing in and getting new revelation on their spiritual journey as well. We extend our faith out to the other campuses today, the other five, uh, four locations and five campuses beyond this one, Lord, that your spirit is moving and people are being set free, Father, and that your word would come alive today in this house, in this sanctuary, so that your work can be accomplished. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Give somebody five as you're seated. High five or a five-dollar bill. You decide. I just said give them five. Whatever you want to do. Good to be here with you guys. As Pastor Laurel said, my family and I, we pastor the North Charleston campus. It's right off Dorchester Road at Appian Way. That's a road between the Chick-fil-A and the Dunkin' Donuts. Need I say more? That should, should be enough. That would meet all the needs that you could possibly have. And uh, we're just a block off of Dorchester Road and just has, have so enjoyed the last seven months. I say it over and over again. I've never had this much fun doing ministry before. And my lovely wife's right here on the front row. Baby, can you stand and wave? Do your little, that's right, that's right, amen. That's right. So if, if, if I do okay, then, see, I like you to hear me first because she's really where the money's at in our relationship, and she knows it. So if you hear me and I'm okay, she'll blow you away. She's just phenomenal. I married way outside of my league, but that's okay. Again, I am talking about the blessings of the Lord. Need I say? <laughs> so you got to realize, if you don't already know it, you serve a giving God. My family and I are here because we listen to the voice of the Lord. and We've experienced the goodness of God. And, and I stood on this stage in June. Many of you may remember. And my little family, my three kids, and we're up here. We're like, we're so glad to be here. We don't know anybody. <laughs> but that was seven months ago. And now we have a home. And God's just continuing to bless. And North is growing. And we're just experiencing the amazing joy of being involved with Pastor Larry and his team. And getting to know you guys. You guys are our home church, too. We're just, you know, a few minutes across town, but hey, it's good to see you guys this Sunday, amen? We're loving it. Glad to be in church with you. We serve a giving Heavenly Father, and Jesus is teaching in this passage we just read in what we know as the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. This is where he goes into a series of blessings. He's talking about praying. He's talking about uh, relationships, a purity with your eyes, with your heart, with your mouth, all these kind of things, but yet he knows where these people are. He's saying some good things, but he knows and he can get in their kitchen and he stops here because he, he, he deals for a moment with how they worry about clothing and food and provision and protection and, and a place to live, which is, we know, we, you, maybe you know those stresses. And he says, I get it. Don't worry about those things. In fact, if you'll seek me first, my kingdom, my glory, my power, my righteousness with your life, with your heart, with your attention then all those things that you're worried about, I'll take care of them. And you won't have to worry about them, right? What a good deal, amen? 
Thus, we talk about this idea of mutual benefit. If you'll put me first, I'll take care of you. I served under a pastor for years. He said, if we'll take care of God's world, talking about giving to missions, he'll take care of our church. There is mutual benefit when you trust in the kingdom of God and his economy. Amen. And most of us would never think to approach our relationship with God with this idea of mutual benefit because we've been trained that it is better to give than to receive, right? And we know that Paul even quotes the words of Jesus in Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 35. He says, uh, where he restates what Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It says it's better. It's more important. It's more blessed than give to give than receive. But it doesn't say necessarily that receiving is a bad thing. I never want anybody to feel bad about being blessed, especially when it's because of their faithfulness. And two weeks ago, all our campuses talked about sowing and reaping. We sow so that there can be a harvest. Amen. Last week, we talked about if we're faithful with what we have, we attract more of it. And I want to attract more of God's goodness in my life, so I'm faithful. So we don't give to get, but you better absolutely understand that there will be a benefit when you begin to trust God with what you have. Amen? Give him praise. If you read the book of James, James makes this amazing statement. He says, you have not because you asked not. Do you know that God's not intimidated by the question, What's in it for me? I don't walk around saying that. What's in it for me, God? I don't, it's not like my mantra. It's not in every prayer that I pray. But it doesn't scare God for his people to wonder what the reward for trusting him is. And James says, you have not because you ask not. In chapter 4, James is dealing with motives. Because these people were so much about stuff that they were considering murder to get what somebody else has. And I think it's okay to have stuff. It's okay to be blessed as long as your stuff don't have you. Scripture also says the borrower is slave to the lender. Nothing is worth going into bondage or or considering a treacherous act just to get a possession, is it? So what God is saying through James there is if your motives are right, if your hearts are pure, you don't worry about what's over the fence. You realize that I'm your provider and you begin to ask me. I know what you need when you need it. Trust in me and I will take care of your needs. Amen. So rather than having to go to the store or or sign a six-year note and all this stuff, and it's okay. If you got the finances to be able to do that, I'm not telling you those things are bad. But don't get consumed or in debt just because you have to have something. Seek him first, ask him for it, and let him supernaturally provide. Amen? Because we serve a giving, giving, giving God. And he is looking for somebody that he can give himself to that he can give his treasures to, his wealth, his knowledge, his presence, his power. Amen? And I want to be blessed. So with the right motives and the right heart, you can ask him because he knows your heart. You have not because you ask not. Trust him. Listen, we all say David is like the man after God's own heart. Even God said that, right? What a great man of character and power and faith to model yourself after. And here's this kid taking care of sheep out in the pasture. He gets called out by his dad, said, hey, be my errand boy today. Run the cheese and the bread. Go check on your brothers, all that stuff. He walks to the battlefield, gives his stuff to somebody, and he hears the loud mouth of a giant. And before thinking anything, he grabs his sling and the stones and runs to the battlefield. No, that's not how it worked at all. He had some interesting conversations first. He overheard some of the men talking about what the reward was going to be for the man who killed the giant. So one of the first things he said while at the battlefield was, what, what were you guys talking about? 
what, what, what's going to be done for the one that kills the giant? And his brothers come up and start hating on him and say, man, get back to those worthless sheep. You shouldn't be here. Who let you out of the basement? Whatever. He said, dude, leave me alone, bro. Chill. He left his brother and went to another conversation. What, what were you guys talking about? What's going to be done for the man who kills the giant? And we say, oh, David's a God after, man after God's own heart. Yes, he is. He's also the man that was like, hmm, wealth, freedom from taxation and a beautiful wife. I don't really think that hurt the motivation to go fight the giant. I'm just being honest. And God still used him. God didn't say, oh, you self-serving. No, because God is not intimidated by people that think about, man, what's the reward for stepping out in faith? What's the reward? And there was mutual benefit for this act. Not only did David get a beautiful wife, not only did he get freedom from taxation and influence and wealth for his family, Israel got freedom and victory from their giant. So there was mutual benefit because David stepped out. There's some things we can learn from David even in our lives. He didn't fight with the armor and the weapons of man. He remembered that God had been with him against the lion and the bear. He remembered who he was in Christ, who he fought with and who he fought for. And he was not afraid to say, what will be done for the man who does this? Because somebody that's willing to ask that question doesn't struggle with the thought, can I do this? They're already at the place where they're saying, will I do this? Will I do this? Will I do that? Will I trust God to step out and give this or do this or serve in this way or face this giant? Because God doesn't like the can I question because God's not looking for people that are already qualified. He doesn't call qualified people. He qualifies called people. Amen. So David didn't mind asking that question because he was in that, will I do this phase? Do I trust God? If you're taking notes in your bulletin today, the first thing I want to tell you is that your God believes in a reward system and it is a good system. He is a giving God. Mark 10, 29 through 30, Jesus is speaking. He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come. A hundred times as much of homes and brothers and sisters and mothers, children and fields, all those things he had listed in this age and in the age to come. God's system will always lead you to mutual benefit. When you trust him, you sow into his kingdom, it is guaranteed there's gonna be a reward. And that excites me that my God's not afraid to bless his children. If I leave someone or something for his sake, that means there is a reward coming to me. And he repays with interest. A hundred times is what he just said. If we lay down a home, there'll be another home waiting in this life or in the life to come, right? We know he's gone to prepare a place for us, an amazing home. I can't wait. Skipping on streets of gold. Mm. If I leave a field of sown seed or an investment for him, there's going to be a harvest waiting for me, a better harvest. That excites me. Paul says through Timothy, and this is not, not going to be on the screen, but there's a passage I wanted to touch on for just a moment because Paul placed Timothy as a young pastor over a congregation and he told him how to deal with the people that were blessed or wealthy. He said, tell them not to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly supplies all things. Rather be rich in good works and store up treasures on a good foundation. We serve a giving God that wants to bless you. Amen. Anybody here want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. Amen. 
Not only that, I want to know blessed people because when their cup's overflowing, I want to be right here. (laughs) Amen. We serve such a giving God. Listen, there was a season where we pastored in Alabama for almost five years. And because the cost of living is low and because the land is abundant in Alabama, there's like four million people in the whole state. So we got a dream house for nothing. Bought it out of foreclosure. I'm talking two stories, almost 4,000 square feet. I'm just bragging on God. Hardwood floors, a, an end-to-end front porch with these curved banisters that come down, a stairwell that went up and wrapped around the foyer so we could see upstairs. It was unbelievable. And we were kids. We're having babies. So we got this beautiful home. It was amazing. My yard took me hours to do, but in the spring, the dogwoods would bloom in the azaleas. I'm telling you, our, our yard looked like Southern Living. It was unbelievable, the goodness of God. And then the Lord said, Keith, I'm leading you guys out of this area. And I said, excuse me, Lord, I didn't hear you. (laughs) It was my wife's dream home. And she, any, any of you ladies that have had to leave something that meant so much to you, you know what a home, I mean, we had to leave this and trust God. It was tough. And here we are now. We bought a brand new home in a neighborhood just outside of Westcott. And I see outside of my front door 30 to 40 kids playing at any given moment with my kids. There's like 15 to 20 young families all right up and down our street, all just moved in. I walk all three of my kids to school every day of the week to one of the best schools in Dorchester County. My God is good. Amen. God believes in a reward system. And he says, if you leave something for my sake, see what I can do for your sake. It's unbelievable. Amen. Secondly, if you're taking notes, God calls us to greater opportunities. He don't want to leave you where you are. That was for yesterday. Will you follow him to new opportunities? I have seen as a pastor people whose faith has been shipwrecked because they weren't willing to follow where God was calling. They grew bitter because maybe his ask was too much of them. You may not like his timing, but he is calling you to step up, church. In that same passage that we just read from a little bit earlier, in Mark 10, beginning in verse 20, and he said to them, this is Jesus having that encounter with the young man we know as the rich young ruler. Let me preface it with that. Mark 10, 20 through 22. And he said to him, teacher, the the rich young ruler is talking, I have kept all these things from my youth on. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But at these words, he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who had owned much property. This was a young man, the rich young ruler. Jesus was actually trying to recruit into the ministry. Come follow me. He didn't say that to everybody. Most people, he said, no, you can't come stay here and don't tell anybody about me. This guy, he said, hey, Sell this, then come follow me. But he failed to understand the call or the challenge because he had the conviction from childhood. He was blessed because he had kept God's word. He had been obedient to the law. But when Jesus said, sell what you have and give it to the poor, he stumbled. He actually allowed comfort to keep him from increase. Do we ever allow comfort or what we have to keep us from going to the next level that God has for us, church? Surely none of you. I'm not talking about y'all. Do you know this guy right here, this guy you... I used to live in the Atlanta area. Atlanta is just multi, multi millions of people. It's just growing by leaps and bounds. It just, you get to Atlanta an hour before you get to Atlanta. That's just how big it is. It's unbelievable. 
And I was in downtown Atlanta. I was sitting at a stoplight. And, and, and you almost become numb because you see so many people out begging, homeless or whatever, with a little sign. You see them everywhere. And you hear, well, you know, I just don't know what they're going to do with that money. But in this moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to give that man $10. Roll down your window. Give him $10. I gave him 5 This is the worst part. I got convicted. I'm driving down the road. This five dollars that I didn't give him is burning a hole in my pocket. I was like, I can get this out of my pocket. I stopped the first gas station I got to, found somebody. You gotta take this. Take this five dollars. It's like, man, I was living in disobedience. It was terrible. The next day I'm having a conversation. Somebody said, Man, the Lord told me to do this, and they put a fifty dollar bill in my hand. Man, but it could have been a hundred. Do you see how my doubt limited what my God could do in and through me? How guilty are we of that in different seasons of our life? We let our hesitation keep us. And listen, every one of you has a part to play in the economy of God and the blessings of God. If God expects you to be giving and serving, you can bank on the fact he's going to keep his promises. Listen, we talked about the parable of the talents last week when the master came back. He doted over those good managers. He said, well done. You did it. Enter into my reward, good and faithful servant. He blessed both of those guys. And then when Jesus comes back, he's coming back to reward. A few passages just to, to give some evidence to that. Matthew 16, 27 says, for the son of man shall come in the glory of his father with his angels and he shall reward every man according to his works. He's even recording the small, smallest of details. Mark 9, 41 says, For whoever shall even give a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. I think some of us kind of shirk against that word prosperity because maybe it's been abused by some for personal gain. And, And there's a big problem there, and it's our lack of the understanding of really what prosperity is. Because in the Hebrew, prosperity actually simply means to rush or advance just to make progress and succeed. In the Greek, the two languages the Bible was written in, in the Greek, it it actually means to be led in a clear direction. Neither one of those had anything to do with money. It had to do with faithfulness and following. Money's just kind of the byproduct of a prosperous person. Money's just the currency. It's not the motive. It's not the end result. Prosperity is a mindset of obedience. And that's what we're calling you to here at Faith. Are you free to do what God has called you to do when he calls you to do it? Or do you kind of hesitate? We're like, well, if I give this up, is there anything else? Yes. Your God would never ask you to give something up if he didn't have something even greater to replace it with. But he's trying to get you past the can I do this to the will I do this to where you'll follow. Because God believes in a reward system and he's calling you to greater opportunities. And the third thing I want to share with you today is that your God is not hiding something from you. He's hiding something for you, church. Your God has more for you than you could ever imagine. Amen. I love that my God knows what I can handle. And I know it's his wisdom that has not always given me what I thought I needed when I needed it. Because it creates for me opportunities to trust in him to wait on him, to get on my face before him, to seek him for direction. And when I seek his wisdom, then creativity is released in me. 
See, his currency is not dollar bills. His currency is wisdom, invention, creativity, healing, joy. That's his currency. Amen. And I have to take what he blesses me with and convert it to the currency of man if I want to enjoy money. I went to a mission trip to Nicaragua. I took a great team with me. And their money is not dollars. Their money is like limperas. And it's like 20 to 21 limperas was a dollar at that time. Now, they would take my money. I would show American money and they'd be like, oh, that Coke is $5. <laughs> they want... For me to get the best rate of exchange, I had to convert it. So we went to the bank and we converted American money into Honduran money so that we could get the right amount of exchange, right? In the same way, when my God blesses me with an idea, it's up to me to convert that into the currency that I need it to be. If you're like me, maybe you've walked through Walmart one day and you see something on the shelf and you're like, I thought of that two years ago. But what did you do with it? There is a multi-multi-millionaire somewhere in the world today because like 40 or 50 years ago, he got the idea to put the little rubber button on the engine. And so now every lawnmower and weed eater and head trimmer, every one of them's got this little button. And you says, push it five to seven times. Somebody had the idea to push the gas into the engine first. That guy's a millionaire. What if that was a God-given idea for somebody that had been faithful? And what if that's how God chooses to bless you? Will you trust him with it and convert it? Maybe you know of, of the guy we call Abraham. He was known as Abram. And God was uh, calling him to a land called Canaan out of his homeland. He had a father named Terah. Terah actually wanted to go to Canaan too. So Terah loaded up Abraham and his son Haran and their family. And they're traveling and they get to this one location. And his son Haran dies a tragic death. And Terah gets sidetracked and he gets stuck in Haran. And now the very name Terah means delay. Now, when I'm on a road trip, I like a rest area when I need it. But too many stops, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. And I'm traveling with three kids in the back. Daddy, I gotta go. I gotta, you know, it's like every five minutes. And you feel like you're not making any progress. Is it ever that way in life? And God is trying to draw you to a destiny. He's trying to draw you to another level. And you're like, mm, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know about, you like Moses talking to the Lord. Well, I got this excuse. I can't do that. I'm just, and we, we're, we're making excuses rather than taking that step of faith. And God is saying, I'm trying to get you here so I can do something in your life. And you got so many reasons why not to go. And if we're not careful, that's what begins to happen in our life. We get delayed like Terah. But the amazing thing we can see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And it's not easy to not know what's going to happen and God still say, let's go. Write that check. Give this possession away. Bless this person. Serve in this ministry. Give that car away, whatever it is. And you're thinking... And you're sitting there, you're delayed rather than trusting God that he has a reason, that he has a system. What's holding you back, church, when God's trying to pull you forward? Abraham believed that God had something for him. He knew that God had something for him. It takes faith to leave our comfort zone. Amen? Have you been called out? Have you been challenged? And are you responding? Are you sitting back saying, I don't know if I can do this? What is God calling you to do today that may be challenging your comfort zone, church? One of my favorite biblical characters is this guy we call Elijah. 
phenomenal prophet, did some amazing miracles. And one of my favorite encounters of, of him in scripture happens in 1 Kings, I believe it's chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. And, and he comes in contact with this lady, a widow, and it's just her and her son. And this is their plan for the day. I'm going to get up. I'm going to clean the house. I'm going to get the last bit of flour and wheat that I have in the pantry. I'm going to put it all together, add a little bit of this. I'm going to make two little cakes. We're going to eat them, and then we're going to die because it's a famine, and we don't have anything else. And this is what Elijah said to their situation. Do not fear. This is verse 13 and 14 of 1 Kings 17. Do not fear. Do just as you have said, but make a little bread cake it from it first and bring it out to me. Make it for me first, and then afterward, make one for yourself and for your son. Go ahead and do what you were doing. Just put me first. Sound like God? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are doing great. Just take care of me first. Bless me first. But he doesn't stop there. He says, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. Amen? Because when we'll put him first, you enable him to begin to meet your needs in a supernatural way where the pantry doesn't ever go empty and the oil doesn't ever stop pouring. And what if the gas tank never went empty? Come on, don't get me started. People that had gained an understanding of God's economy, they have something greater than money. They have a confidence in the provision of God. And that's where I want you to live. That's where I want you to learn to live and to trust God is going to guide you in daily steps of leadership, daily scripture in a direction of your destiny. And when he begins to challenge you, you may not know where he's leading you. Abraham didn't know where Canaan was. He didn't get that revelation all at once. There was a season of faith and it was step by step. God's like, let's go a little bit further. You're doing good. Let's go a little bit further. Nowhere in scripture does it ever say to take a leap of faith. It says your steps are ordered of God. God's not calling you to, Whoa! he's not calling you to that. He's calling you to trust him one step at a time so he can draw you closer to your destiny. So some of you have been here for a long time and you remember when there was one building on this property and then they began to expand because of God's faithfulness and the faithfulness of God's people. And because you gave, there was a two, three, four, five and a building six and there's football fields and Beautiful wooded property and paintball and a garage. And that ministry just blesses so many people. And now there's five campuses and six services going on every Sunday and ministries and pastors and groups all over. Amen. And because you gave, God was able to reward. And we have a short video to show you just in 2017 because of your faithfulness, all that God has been able to pour back on his people. Would you guys show that video?
Amen. Give him praise for that, church. Woo. Man, isn't that exciting to see what God's done? Some of those numbers are mind-boggling. And if you didn't know it, if you weren't at the business meeting, 2017 was the largest year ever numerically for faith, the largest average attendance across all of our campus ever to this point, the largest financial year ever to this point because of your faithfulness and God's goodness. Amen. And then we're not stopping here. Amen. Last week, a tithe challenge was issued, and maybe some of you are in the first stages of that. Maybe today was your first time giving tithe. Maybe you haven't yet. Maybe next week's going to be your first time. If you, don't, if you weren't here for that last week, you can still get, get in on it. We, we walked through a 90-day tithe challenge where if you'll trust the Lord with your first 10% for 90 days, and if your finances aren't blessed, your financial situation is not transformed in a positive way as God's hand and is on your life and you're in covenant. If you're not blessed during that 90 days, we'll write you a check back for everything you give during those 90 days, a 90-day money-back guarantee. Because I have, and your pastor Larry has that much confidence in God's economy. Amen? And last week, you also heard pastor just for a moment touch on something we're doing next Sunday at the end of the service, a seed offering for the future campus in Ridgeville, just a few miles up I-26. We've got a 14 and a half, 15 acre plot of land. They've already got the, the, the building layout and all that done. They, they know where it's going to be, but we need some seed to sow so that we can reap the harvest of that campus. Amen. And so he, amen. Give God praise for that, for what he's doing. We're clapping bunch. I'm with you. <laughs> amen. Our pastor's believing that next Sunday's offering across all of our campuses will be the largest single offering that we've ever received here at Faith. Because we don't want a normal harvest like we've had in the past. We want a supernatural harvest, a supernatural return on that seed. Amen. We can look at what God has already done the rewards in this present age and the countless rewards in the age to come with all those salvations and lives being changed. And I challenge you, if you're trying to figure out what you're going to do for next Sunday, maybe those that haven't started tithing yet and you were on the fence about, can I tithe? Stop asking, can I? And ask, will I tithe? Will I trust God to provide for me to bless back into my life? Amen. Because our God is a giving God. If you haven't already been chewing on it, consider throughout this week because you have exactly one week. It's going to be this moment in this service next week where you guys will receive that seed offering. You have a week to get on your face somewhere and say, God, what do you want to do through me? Where are you trying to take me to? What might you ask me to lay down and trust you with? Your pastor is believing for a supernatural moment in the service next week. And, and, and even if you have that question that we said earlier, what's in it for me? What's going to be done for the one who steps up? Because you might be considering stepping up and writing that $1,000 check for the first time or more. And don't let me limit you. Don't let my little faith limit what you might do. You might be considering what's going to be done. I'll tell you, more buildings, more campuses, more salvations, more baptisms, more Holy Spirit baptisms, more mission trips, building churches around the world, and more eternal blessings than you could ever measure when you trust God and give. That's the guarantee of Scripture that God will sow back into his people. Maybe not the right time to talk about food because lunch is coming up, right? <laughs> Those 10 o'clock service guys, you, 
you want to get out so you can beat the, the other folk to the restaurants. I, so I won't keep you too long. My wife and I went to a, a restaurant, had, a, had us a little date, and we had a wonderful little ra- waitress. She was so attentive, and she was there like every few minutes just checking on us. And I can remember one time she was like, you got any plates that I can take? And I saw that hand reaching out. I said, uh, I'm not finished with that yet. I'm still working on that. That ever happened to you guys? Somebody tried to take something away from you before you were finished with it? And I don't think that God is finished with the Somerville area. I don't think that God is finished expanding the ministry of faith in the low country. I don't know about you, but I don't think our God is finished working through you to accomplish his will. Amen? Amen. Do you guys remember Joshua and Caleb? They were two of the 12 spies that went into the land of Canaan. And of all those 12 guys, they were the only two that said, we could take them. And everybody else was like, oh no, it's too big, it's too scary. It cost them 40 more years in the wilderness. And the other 10 guys died and Joshua and Caleb were not 40 years anymore. They were 85 now when we find them again, ready to take possession, 85 years old. And 85 year old Caleb says to Joshua, I'm just as strong now as I was then. (laughs) Man, I say, I'm 41. I hope that at 85, I can say the same thing. I was like, man, I still got it going on. (laughs) But this is what uh, Caleb said to Joshua at 85 years old. He said, now give me the hill country, which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard that there were Anakim there. Those are giants, people. There were giants there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. He wanted his blessing. And you know what his blessing was? Territory with strongholds and giants that still had to be conquered. So might it just be today for you and for faith that God is saying, look at your territory and there's still giants to be conquered and there's still strongholds to be overcome, right? And we say, but God will drive them out because we'll step in. Amen. No matter if you're 85 or you're 40 or somewhere in between, God has a destiny for you. Will you trust him? Will you step out? Will you get past your fear of, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Can I do this? No, you can't do it without him. David didn't have a chance against Goliath by himself, but he knew he was fighting with who he was fighting for. You know who you were fighting with and who you were fighting for. And God has a destiny for you, church. And because you gave, we're here today in this beautiful building because you gave. And because you gave, there are people here today that are ready to trust God in a new way. See, in just a moment, we're going to have a prayer. And we're going to pray for those that need to surrender their life to Jesus today. We've been talking about trust and faith and stepping out in new areas. And some people are like, man, I I need to give my life to the Lord today. It's amazing how if you talk about finances and possessions, some people really get drawn to surrender. God is that smart. I know there's some of you that need breakthroughs in your life. You need supernatural miracles in your life. When we pray, we're going to pray for you as well. There's also those of us that we want to be used by God in a way we've never been used. And you're thinking about that offering next week and you're saying, Lord, I want to step out. I want to trust you to do more through me and in me than you've ever done. What might you ask me to give, Lord? Amen. We got altar workers that are going to come down when I begin to pray. 
And if you need to surrender your life to Jesus today, as I begin to pray, consider that your invitation to step out and come meet with one of our altar workers down front. If you need a breakthrough in your life, you need a supernatural miracle, maybe in your body, in your finances, in your job, consider that your invitation to begin to step out and come find one of our altar workers down here. If you need a breakthrough in your finances or to trust God in a new way, that'll be your invitation if you want to come down. And for everybody else, if you don't fit any of those categories, you feel free to come down and pray for whatever you need, but that'll also be our dismissal in just a moment, okay? So let's stand together because we're in this together because it's going to take every single one of us trusting in the Lord to take down the giants that are in the territory that God is blessing us with. There's going to be opposition but we know who we're fighting with and who we're fighting for. Amen? Bow your heads with me this morning as our altar workers begin to come. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, your faithfulness, Lord. No matter what we've ever had to lay down for you, you've been so faithful to show up and bless and provide and protect. Lord, I pray for the men and women that are in this room today that maybe they've never surrendered their life to you and asked you to come into their heart and be their Lord and Savior. For those that are on the verge, on that tipping point, that right now, Lord, your Holy Spirit could say it as I don't know how to say it and draw them out of their seats to an encounter with you this morning. Don't let any fear or doubt or worry keep them from stepping out and come and surrender to you today. For those of you that need a supernatural breakthrough, Lord, you see every situation, you know, every stronghold, every physical issue, every financial issue, every relational issue, uh, an uproar at work, distress in the home, distress in the marriage. Lord, you know where those breakthroughs need to happen, Father, and they're going to step out in faith and bring those to you this morning as they meet with an altar worker. And Lord, I pray over all of us today as well that we would take the challenge to give like we've never given before as we come to that offering time next week. And when you lead me to a place that I've never been before, don't let me say, I can't do this. I've never been there. But let me say, okay, Lord, I'll trust you one step at a time. Because I know when you ask me to lay something down, there's something greater than I could ever imagine that you want to pour into my life. I thank you for this time in your word. I thank you for this time with our brothers and sisters in Christ that your Holy Spirit would have his way in this moment that you would go with us and strengthen us to accomplish your will in this territory that you've called us to conquer. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Can we give him praise in this place, church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for being with us. Tell pastor that we did all right, that I behaved. Thank you for being with us. You have a wonderful afternoon in the name of Jesus. Those that need prayer, this is your moment. Whatever you need prayer for, our anointed, prayed through altar workers are down here waiting to do battle with you. You have a wonderful day. God bless. Come ready to give next week. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.